babe. Hi, babe. Hey, you've changed. Hi, babes. You've changed your um your room. To where, well, I mean, like you've changed where you normally record. No. No. Has it always no. been in your room? Yes. I thought you were in the um living room before. No. Okay, I guess I guess it's just the internet Sometimes connection. I have been. <laughs> yeah. You just you're just seeing me for the first time now. <laughs> <laughs> what a sight for sore eyes. I mean, beautiful. Beautiful. You look like you've had your hair done. I did yesterday. Mm, I can tell because it's it's the only time you're ever proud to not have your curls. Yes, it's the only time I have straight hair. <laughs> Obsessed with curly girl. <laughs> um, so the only time for those listening, the only time Amelia is ever like, "Oh, look at my hair! It's so straight!" is right after she's been to the salon. Salon to the salon, salon. Oh, salon. The salon. Hey, um, what's cracking in your neck of the woods? I hear um, the government couldn't strike a deal with Pfizer. No. Well, is someone surprised? If, I mean, if you're going to do a test on how people drown, you have to put someone underwater. Uh, if there are no <laughs> one that has the has COVID, how are they going to see if it changes? Wait, maybe I don't really know the full story. What, what, what do you mean? How, what are they? So, so, Pfizer so is the drowning team? people? No, <laughs> no, I'm just, yeah. But so the deal was yeah. that they would vaccinate everyone in the country just really quickly. Okay. And see like, okay, if we do this to a country, the, something will happen. Like the, the herd immunity. Yes. Okay. But Pfizer is not going to vaccinate a whole country and don't get any results from it. So Pfizer wanted because, stuff in return from Iceland. Well, they are going to, we are having vaccines or like vaccines from them. But yeah. We're not going to be part of an experiment where they just vaccinate everyone because they are not going to get anything because no one has COVID here anymore. There's like one person every other day. Okay. So it's useless for them. Yes. Okay. That's why the deal didn't go through. That's why I'm saying if you're going to like find out how people drown, you have to put someone underwater. Okay, so uh, to finish that analogy, <laughs> if you're going to find out how people drown, it's no sense meeting them in the desert. No, yeah. No. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. All right. That's the there's only so. been two Icelandic news headlines that I've sort of been following. There's that one and there's the one about the poor guy from Nigeria. Yes. Oh. That's a terrible story, isn't it? I haven't really followed it. I just read like a Facebook status and I was like, this has been a terrible life. (laughs) So it's it's like, um, so around this time of year is when the government does their kind of, here is the people who are going to be allowed to keep living in Iceland. Or here's who. No. No, No, they do this all year round. You can live, you cannot live. 
It's just some people know someone. So, well, I, my problem is this shouldn't take this long. People shouldn't be here. Like if they're not going to get a permit residence, they shouldn't be kept waiting for endless amount of time. Yeah. That's the biggest problem. I don't like that because this someone talked to a person and they put it on Facebook, they get to stay, but the next one that maybe don't know anyone and no one put their case on Facebook, they have to leave. That is I'm a, like, there's that's no a, yeah, justice to that. That's a, that's a very good point you're making, which is that uh, if this guy does end up getting to stay, this is great because he's led a terrible life. Yes. But it isn't, you know, he's he's been in goose feet lucky that mm-hmm. he knew people who were going to make a fuss about this. But yes. there are a lot of people in this system in Iceland who have been seeking asylum or whatever mm-hmm. um, who don't know it. Uh, enough Icelandic people that no one makes a fuss and they're the ones that just get deported in the middle of the night. Yeah. And nobody bats an eyelid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And like, the, the, the problem is, like, why... And the other day there was, like, a family with two girls that were six or seven or something. They were born here, but they were supposed to be kicked out. Why? And I'm like, why are you keeping this family here for seven years they have children the children just become icelandic children mm. and then then you're gonna kick them out like why 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 do they have to stay longer than three months yeah why why because it, it gives them a sense of false hope as well yes like once you've i mean once you've been somewhere longer than three months that's long enough to have started to make a life yeah, that's long enough to have started to put seeds down, to start looking for a career, to get a job, to because there's not mm-hmm. many people in this world who can survive on their own, let alone with a family, for longer than three months without having a job. Yeah, and it's just yeah, it's terrible. I mean, of course, every country needs to choose this person. We're going to give this person a resident, but not this. That's just how. Mm. The world works, sadly. Mm. But it's just, yeah, I just get upset that people have to wait so long for for a decision that is not in their best interest. Like, And I, I, I mean, I come from a country where we don't even let them in. We, we yeah. just, we, we put them on an island. Mm. That's, I think, I think in, I mean, it's not like you can't really say what's worse, but I think the way Australia does it is pretty shocking. Like for asylum seekers, not for Mm -hmm. people who've come in legally and would like to apply to become citizens or search for permanent residency, but even them, like it's, it's super hard. Like, you know, one of the reasons we're in France instead of Australia, A, Australia's been closed since COVID started, even though they've got no cases. I'm sorry if you're in Australia and you're listening to this going, yeah, we had cases, it was really scary. In comparison to the rest of the world, in comparison to Europe, in comparison to the United States and so many other places, it was not as scary in Australia. I mean, good for you. You have three cases and you shut the whole country country down, but, you know, it wasn't the same. Um, But that's one reason. But also... I'm always like, 
when the news about Australia, I'm like, was it really that few cases? Oh, so you think they, they're lying? I don't know. I just think it's really weird that then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, no one has any cases. And then like, boom, we're closing down Melbourne because we have so many cases now. Yeah. Well, I'm... I'm not saying they are lying. I'm just saying they are not testing people. It's unusual, yeah. And the first thing I want to say is it, there's a little part of me that's proud that you just knew all that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I follow you. Yeah, but it's also. like, it's, it's, it, in a lot of ways, even though Australia is a big country, right? It's a yeah. huge landmass. Population-wise, it's not actually that big. It's quite a small population. Um, yes. So I guess for me, it's a little bit like... You must feel when people know stuff about what's going on in Iceland, like when yeah. foreigners are like, oh, yeah, but I was seeing in the news of this and this and this. And you must go, you know about my country? Because often, like for me, people are like, oh, you're from Australia. And they just talk about Sydney and neighbors and that's it. But, yeah. but you actually, I agree with you. That whole thing was a bit weird. There were no cases. Everything was good and they were locked. That was because they locked the borders. And then suddenly overnight, like in 24 hours, in one block of apartments, there were 400 cases. Yeah, How, I'm no. like, oh. That it, doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. And no one came into the country. Like, then, then yeah. it was yeah. here before. <laughs> yeah, I was saying exactly the same thing. Um, but to get back to what I was saying before, like the other reason we're in France and not Australia is that it's just impossible to... Yes. To move there for for anyone who's ever been like, oh, you know, um, what would it take to move to Australia? I'm an Australian citizen. And uh, even if I married Natan, even if we were married, one, I found this out recently, our marriage would not be uh, recognized in Australia and not because we're gay. <laughs> Just in order for Australia to recognize your marriage, you have to get married in Australia. Oh, it's so stupid. I know. <laughs> but if I get married to Aaron in Iceland and then go to Australia, they're like, oh, here comes a single woman. Oh, no, but that, no, no, no. no. So they, they, they understand that, but in the eyes of citizenship. Oh, in yes. The, so when okay. it comes to an Australian being they're married. They're not like Nathan with friends. If it didn't happen in France. It didn't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, in some ways they are because... Um, for us to, for Australia to have uh, somewhere written down that I'm married to someone, yeah, I have to get married to him in Australia. Okay. So the next time we we when the country finally opens and we can go back, we actually will probably have to get married there, so that it's done, so that it's registered. Okay. Because the whole process of moving to Australia, even for, like you would say say, I mean, for here in France, right? Um, yeah. I'm here at the moment on like a British passport because I have a British passport, but Brexit happened. Yeah. And because I'm the partner or spouse of a French citizen, I'm entitled to permanent residency for 10 mm. years. Yeah. And the, the main thing is that they assume that in that time frame, you will probably become a citizen because it's like – four or five years and then you can get a French passport and then you're a citizen, you can vote. And, um, yeah. <clears throat> but in Australia, it's not that way. If we're married, 
once we enter Australia, they're like, you're an Australian citizen. He's no one. Um, <laughs> I don't recognize him. He's not born here. I've never seen him before. <laughs> um, and the process, even if you're married to someone, is the same for every you're, – you're going through the same process that couples who aren't married are going through. You have to apply – um, you, it takes a minimum year and a half for them to make a decision. Uh, and you have to pay like crazy amount of money, right? Yeah. Like we, we added it up initially up front to just, uh, just submit it. And then maybe get no. You're, you're, yeah, you're looking at a minimum of, oh no, 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 no. Just the, just to be able to start the process, you're looking at a minimum of like a million kroner. So it's like 750,000 Australian dollars to like 10,000 Australian dollars. And so you just have to pay that upfront to, to start your application. It takes a year and a half throughout that time period. You've got to do stuff. Like you have to get a chest X-ray to prove that they don't have tuberculosis. You have to get all these blood tests done. You have to get medical histories. If stuff is in another language, you have to pay for it to be officially translated into English so that the Australian government can, you know, process it and all that kind of stuff. Every single time you get something official done in Australia, it costs you money. I'm tired of listening. Um, exactly. So in the end, you pay like 2 million coroner after 18 months and they might say no. And you you have, they, they notify you. This is why we've been doing stuff like this. Um, like we have a joint bank account. We had one in Iceland. We make sure that both our names are on things because if we ever decide we want to move to Australia, they will look at that. They'll be uh. like, so have you shared bills and expenses? You could have been together for 20 years and have paperwork to show that and you still have to pay that amount of money and wait that amount of time because that's how, how long it takes, allegedly. That's crazy. Yeah. So anyway, but that's uh, that's why we're in France. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and it's much closer to me. It is. It's much closer. And when COVID is over, it's good. It's going to be so good to be on the continent because then I can, you know, go do a little bit of stand-up here and there come back feel like i'm actually contributing to society in some way um uh (laughs) but yeah they're the two news stories i've been following this week that and the latest on army hammer oh what is it okay so apparently last summer because of lockdown he didn't have any acting gigs and he was in the middle of a divorce yes and so he went and helped a friend of his uh, work construction on a hotel okay. in the desert. And recently they found... <gasps> <laughs> recently they found the bodies of multiple women, like burned remains of multiple women, not far from where he was working on that work site. And the police, the official police have said, we are not looking at Army Hammer as a person of interest. But it is, it's, it's an interesting coincidence. So he is basically doing what Marlon Manson is fantasizing and abusing his girlfriend and wishing he was doing to him. <gasps> oh yeah, that happened as well, right? Yes, that's the celebrity story I've been following. Okay, so uh, before before we get into Marilyn Manson, let me just finish yes. up Army Hammer because we also have one of our listeners. Remember how we had all the talk about how is cannibalism a fetish? 
Yes. Well, we're, we have a, we have a, 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 a teaching moment um, right now because okay. one of our listeners um, has explained it. Oh, okay. Okay, so one of our listeners, uh, I've been told I'm allowed to name them. Uh, their name is Sindri. And Sindri is on the board of BDSM Iceland. Okay. And so uh, so the message went out like this. Hope you're doing well in Paris. Was listening to the new salad episode and I wanted to give some insight on cannibalism fetishes since I'm on the board for BDSM Iceland. Uh, fetishes have many different definitions. I would say cannibalism falls under it. However, others would say it's a kink. Um, cannibalism and its sibling, Vorophil, more like Borophil. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just quoting uh, Adam Sandler film. Um, <laughs> Vorophil, also known as Vorophilia comes in many flavors. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if he intended that pun. Um, <laughs> many flavors, and it is not as uncommon as you think. It can be anything from being swallowed whole to being cooked and served on a platter. What all the different types have in common, though, is that they're almost always just fantasies, and not something you would actually do in real life. Mm. Um, of course, there have been cases of it happening, uh, but these are incredibly rare and are only so well known because they're so extreme, like the German guys we were talking about. Yes. There is a lot of, there's a lot of fetishes that seem weird because they are meant to be only fantasies. This makes sense. Yes. Um, and then it goes on to say what Army Hammer was doing was probably the equivalent of dirty talk to him. The problem is not that he has the fetish. It is that when he was asked to stop, he didn't. Like we said in the podcast, he was an abusive piece of shit. And that's the real problem. Consent is one of the pillars of BDSM, safe, sane and consensual and it sounds like he broke uh, the pillar com- repeatedly. Um, if you've got any more questions, I'd be more than happy to answer them. And then also, uh, this is the same person. Remember the person who wrote in and said that thanks to all my talk about the industry, they got a gig in a uh, commercial? Okay, yeah. This is that person, and this person is in that Nova commercial. Okay. Yeah, at the swimming pool. <laughs> so it ended awesome. with, I'm just curious to see if you ended up seeing the commercial. Uh, yeah. So, um, oh, and also to say, because uh, I said, oh, I won't name you. And I was told it's completely fine to be named. Um, uh, oh, yeah, it's it's fine because I'm completely out. But Sindri is not speaking on behalf of the organization. There you go. Yes. So that is the the roundup on Army Hammer. Let's move on to Marilyn Manson. What's going on? Because I haven't read everything. I just know that Evan Rachel Wood mentioned that yeah. he was an abuser. Yeah. So she uh, is saying that he groomed her from early age. And, I mean, she started dating him when she was 19 and then he was, like, 36 or something. And she, she, was, a, she was a child actor. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. And she was just saying, basically, that this relationship was abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and yeah, and the main thing is, or not the main thing, but the, the story is he groomed her and so she kind of went into this relationship really young, didn't know any different, basically. And then all of these women are like, yes, I was in a relationship with him for a short period of time and it was really abusive and he always said it was just his fantasies, his fetish. But like uh, Sindri was saying, Mm. if you're breaking the rule of consent and... Safe words and yeah. Yeah, then it's not uh, BDSM or like he's basically just abusing these women. What were the fantasies that he put them through? Uh, Torture and he was saying like this, uh, some porn actress recently said that he was always telling her that he had a fantasy about burning her alive. (gasps) And yeah, just extreme. uh, Yeah. How close does he live to the desert? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is... And, you know, this this made me start thinking, this Army Hammer and this Marilyn Manson stuff, because um, I've also been watching on Netflix, I've been watching The Ripper. Okay. The one about the Yorkshire Ripper. Um, okay, yes. Which is, is anyone listening who's like, oh, I mean, the murders, it's terrible. But that that documentary is a great uh, journalism piece on how the police done fucked it up uh, yeah. for almost 10 years. Um, and I've been watching the, um, the Night Stalker as well. And I've been chatting with, uh, and then I started watching another one about a, a British serial killer, uh, Des, um, who is this Scottish guy who like, killed 15 guys and kept them under his floorboards and stuff <gasps> with a with a deodorant well he he sprayed deodorant and stuff yeah and air freshener yeah 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 and under his floorboard were like a lot of bodies and a lot of deodorant and he but after a while he he pulled them out from under the floorboards put them in a carpet and then burned it in the backyard um and put a tire on and he just when the police caught him Oh my, I've been watching this show and it's got the guy from Doctor Who, David Tennant. Mm. And he's playing the guy and it's brilliant. Like they, the police walk into the apartment and they say, um, like they just, the smell hits them straight away and they go, where's the body? And he just says to them, in the cupboard. <gasps> <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's just so honest about all of it because I, I mean, I haven't got too far, but I think he wanted to be caught. Um, but so I've been watching all of that and then this army hammer and this Marilyn Manson stuff. And then I was chatting with our friends, Kimmy and Love, um, and was talking about this and going, has there ever been a celebrity? Cause there's been many serial killers who became celebrities yes. in their own right. I hate saying that, but, um, but has there ever been a celebrity who it was discovered they were a serial killer? And I looked it up and I couldn't yeah. find, I've, there's many celebrities who've killed people, um, but there's never been, to my knowledge, a celebrity who was fit the brief of a serial killer. Okay. So if, if you know, I mean, this is complete speculation. It's all alleged. I'm making shit up as I go here. But if we were to find out 
suddenly that army hammer wasn't didn't just have this thing and wasn't just an asshole that he'd actually killed people in the past which when you look at his family history um <laughs> you remember they're the people who invented the hammer um <laughs> but i mean have you have you heard about his family no but you talked about it briefly yeah his aunt wrote a book called surviving my birthright because his army hammer's grandfather was the billionaire founder of hammer industry so they do make a lot of industrial products yeah. and if you see hammer it's a part of hammer industries um and the shit that went down at that mansion that he like i mean he was a drug addict and alcoholic and abusive and people died and people were yeah it, it was that kind enough, of it was yeah um but if we were to find out that army hammer was a serial killer and i'm saying if not that any people who would legally hate me for saying that are listening to this podcast. Um, but if we were to suddenly find out that, or, or maybe we change his name, if we found out that a celebrity called Leggy Chisel, um, <laughs> or Shoulder Mallet, um, <laughs> if we were to find yeah. out that a celebrity was, a, it would be the, I think to my knowledge, it would be the first time in history that a celebrity that's, has been discovered to be a serial killer. That's crazy. And I think it's because they're under such constant scrutiny. They would never have time to do it. Yeah. I talking about, uh, murderers that become celebrities. I saw a, like a Twitter thread the other day about um, Ted Bundy. Mm -hmm. Can I read it? Is is it going to be too long? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just give me one moment. Give me one second. Give me one second. Yes, go. Wait, I'm finding it. But mm -hmm. it was really... It was very um, eye-opening. Okay. Because it's always about, uh, like, Ted Bundy has gotten this reputation, like, he was so smart, he was so cute. Mm, mm. Uh, but, oh, this is great, great radio. <clears throat> he, he also had a record number of marriage proposals. Yes. While he was on, wasn't he on death row? Yes. Yeah, while he was on death row, he had so many people wanting to marry him. I know, it's crazy. I'm trying to find it. Why can't I? Sometimes things get so out there. Mm. And then when you try to find it, it's like... It disappears, no. yeah. Uh, they were just basically saying that... <clears throat> uh, that Tad Bundy has been idolized. He was so smart. The mm. judge said to him while he gave him his like sentence, this like this is so sad. It's a sad day. I would love to watch you practice in front of me. You're um, we are basically ruining your life. What? And this girl is saying throughout like the Twitter thread that she's like this is the height of white men get more opportunities and 
don't have the same scrutiny as other people. Mm. It's white privilege. Yes. Oh, it's really good. I can't say it without like reading it. Anyways. <laughs> you can't find it? I can't find it. Ah, oh, it's unfortunate. But it, it I mean if we suddenly if a celebrity suddenly was revealed to be a serial killer tomorrow, I I'm going to I'm going to regret saying this. I would become obsessed. Yes, me too. I would become obsessed with the case. I would want to know how they managed to keep it a secret for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why is that? Why they became famous? When did they just, yeah. I'm always fascinated by, I guess, the defining moment in a serial killer's life. Like when did they realize that they were this different person who has this uh, need to do something that is incredibly mm-hmm. wrong. Yes. Like when, when do you realize or do you realize this is probably not? Maybe they normal. don't. Maybe they don't. After watching a lot of Criminal Minds, mm. it's a lot of times people that have been having like weird tendencies since they were kids. Well, and they cannot get addictive to the high of hurting someone or killing someone. And I mean, then there's also the theories that sometimes when they have dysfunctional childhoods or an awful parent, I mean, you look at uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, Mm -hmm. he, he, uh, when he was like nine years old, he witnessed his cousin shoot his cousin's, his own wife in front of him in an argument, you know, like uh, that's going to warp somebody's perspective of, of life and death. Like uh, what was it? Ed Gacy, the one who, or what was it? Gacy? I don't know. Wayne Gacy. Uh, He, he's the one that worked as a party clown. He, uh, his mother was incredibly overbearing and awful to him. Um, And Alfred Hitchcock sort of based Norman Bates and psycho on that relationship because he had this overbearing mother. And then eventually the final straw came. I think he killed his mother Um, or she died. And then, you know, but there, there's so many defining factors in there. Yeah. But what's your bet? Are you still looking for the Twitter thread? I'm still looking for the Twitter thread, (laughs) but I'm not finding it. (laughs) <laughs> get so annoyed when you i know like just this issue today like you see something and mm. i read it out loud to aaron and he was like yeah interesting like this is crazy stuff mm. and then i just close facebook and, and then it then, disappears then it disappears forever and it's like oh this never happened that do you know that happens to me all the time when uh like say I'm scrolling on Facebook or something and then I go, Ooh, ooh, that's a really interesting story. I'm actually gonna go poop now. So I'm just gonna close my screen, not Facebook, just close my screen, get myself comfy on the toilet and read this article. Right? Never close the screen. 
And then you get, you open it up again and it's gone and you can't find it. You can't remember what the title was called and you it's just lost to the ether. And then you have to find something else to read while you're pooping. And of course that's going to take forever, isn't it? You know? <laughs> pooping without any, like anything to do is the most boring thing that has ever happened. Yeah, yeah, I've, uh, I've, there's a comedian named uh, Arno Dade who has a bit about this in Iceland and he's, he, which is totally, it's the first time I've seen it. I've seen a comedian talk about this. It's something we've all experienced where he says he went to the bathroom and forgot to take his phone uh, and then goes through like what he did instead, which was like counting the tiles. Oh, I know how many tiles are on the floor now and, and reading the ingredients on the shampoo bottle. Because, you know, the shower was right next to him. And, uh, yep. Yep. It's, I've done it by accident. It's difficult. It's hard. What a life. What a terrible what a, life. What a life. <laughs> but do you know it's been snowing here in France? Yes. I saw it's, it. It's been snowing. I went for a run today in the snow. Now, I lived in Iceland for Five years and I never once went for a run in the snow in Iceland because I was like, are you kidding me? Fuck off. I'm not doing that. Um, but that also the snow in Iceland, once it gets snowy, snowy, you can't go for a run unless you have like football shoes on. You're, you're just, gonna, you're just going to break an ankle. Like there's permafrost. It's, it's too slippery. It's never going to work. Um, but today I went for a run in negative four degrees, uh, with snow and it was okay. I just, I wore three pairs of socks and three pairs of leggings and three shirts. That sounds like you're not wearing the right clothes and you're just putting a lot of clothes on. No, no, no. They were proper thermal stuff. Um, well, I have one set of thermal running stuff and then normal running stuff. So I wore two, the normal, and then the thermal on top. Okay. Because I find my, if it's cold, it doesn't matter how hot the rest of my body gets, but my uh, my toes get cold and then it gets annoying because they uh, hurt. Yes. Yeah. But this is also, I almost went out without a hat on and this is the first time I've ever gone running with with a hat, like a beanie on, um, because normally after 10 minutes I get way too hot and then I have nowhere to put the beanie. Um, but it was negative four. I've never run in it and it was cold enough that I needed the beanie on the entire time. Ooh, mm-hmm. then it's cold. And it's like, it's like a war zone out there because the Seine River, you know, the main river that goes through Paris? Yes. It's flooded at the moment. So you can't run on the regular running path. You have to go on the bike path. Like the, the river has overflowed um, and there's snow and it's like, wow, man, climate change. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. Climate change is crazy. Can't are you still looking? It. Are you still looking for the Twitter thread? Yes, I will stop. <laughs> so annoying i know but i can just see you're sort of half listening with your eyes down going "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm." let it go emilia let it go you'll find it later (laughs) but guess what is on netflix tonight (gasps) what I've seen, I don't know if you've seen the trailers for it, but remember when you and I worked at the same place and we would often talk about like weird mysteries and stuff, you yes. know, 
Yeah. Do you know about the mystery of Elisa Lam and no. the Cecil Hotel in LA? No. This is the Canadian tourist who went to stay at this hotel, vanished, like, and there's footage of her in the elevator. Okay. Looking weird, like like she's hiding from something, disappears, and then I think like two weeks later, they find her in the water tank on the roof of the hotel. So creepy. It's so creepy. So creepy. It's one of my, like, I don't want to say favorite, but it's a mystery that I, because there's, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff out there about like how it would actually be very difficult for one person to, cause she removed all the clothes as well. Mm-hmm. And the water tanks on the roof, it would be very difficult for one person to take off their clothes, lift the thing, jump into the water tank and then close the lid. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that is weird about this case. But that particular hotel has been a host of a, a huge number of weird stuff. Uh, serial killers have stayed there in the past. Ugh. Like it was the it was the alleged inspiration for Ryan Murphy in one season of American Horror Story, the one with Lady Gaga. Yeah. Um, that was set at the hotel, the Cortez. It's sort of roughly based on the Cecil Hotel. There is a Netflix documentary that just went on today and when we finish recording Natan is going to play World of Warcraft and I'm going to watch that documentary I'm going to watch the shit out of it I'm so excited <laughs> when, when did it happen? Elisa Lab? Yes. Um, I think let me I mean I can I can just look it up here for you uh, let me it was uh, E-L-I-S-A-L-A-M, Lisa Lam disappearance. Yeah, Lisa Lam. Here we go. So it happened in 2013. Okay. It was very recent. So uh, she was a Canadian student at the University of British Columbia and uh, they found her in the water tank on top of the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles at which she had been staying before her death. Her disappearance had been widely reported and a lot of people didn't really know what was going on. Um, but the interesting thing was that there was footage of her on the day of her disappearance um, taken by an elevator security camera in the hotel. In the footage, she's seen exiting and re-entering the elevator, talking and gesturing in the hallway outside and sometimes seeming to hide inside the elevator, which itself appears to be malfunctioning. And the video went viral on the internet. Many viewers reporting that they found it unsettling um, and explanations uh, range from claims of paranormal involvement to bipolar disorder, which she did have and she took medication for. Um, but the circumstances of her death have never really been uh, solved. So she was, she was naked. Um, most of her clothes and personal effects were floating in the water near her. It took... Um, it took the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office four months uh, to release the autopsy report, uh, which reports no evidence of physical trauma and states that the manner of death was accidental. Um, but it's also... No it, way. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but the reason they decided to look in the water tank, and this is the real kicker, uh, is that... 
at one point, the guests of the hotel complained that the water was looking a weird color and smelling Ugh. funny. That's so terrible. Yep. Yeah. So that, um, it, I think it's called Disappearance at the Cecil Hotel. Uh, uh, but uh, apparently, like, I mean, I've seen the trailer and there's this moment where one of the former managers is like, the real question in that hotel is, is there a room that someone hasn't died in? Um, uh, so I think they're not just talking about her. They're talking about the history of that hotel. Like it is known as a hotspot for weird shit that has gone down in history. Why, why not closing the hotel down? But I think I, I'm going to take a stab in the dark. I think in recent years, it's probably seen a resurgence in popularity and it probably makes people a lot of money because it's kind of like a, you know, like people would go stay in a haunted house. You know, or people yeah. go on ghost tours. Like, ooh, it's interesting. I would, you couldn't pay me enough to stay in that fucking hotel. Ugh. Jesus Christ. No, thank you. Not <laughs> I want to watch documentaries me. about it. I don't want to experience it myself. Exactly. And I mean, I saw, uh, um, so there's two podcasts that I listen to quite a lot. Morkastið mm-hmm. and Itlerk about murder, mm-hmm. um, murderer. <laughs> Uh, but they are both in Icelandic and mm. the Facebook groups are pretty active talking about just interesting stuff related mm. to murder and one posted the other day uh, that she saw on Facebook that someone was getting because Ted Bundy was like they knew it was him that killed all of these women because he had like a really or he had a broken tooth like his bite marks were really specific oh that's terrible and she tattooed the bite mark on her <gasps> like are no. you crazy what's wrong with you see and it's it's people like that that <sighs> ruin it for everyone they ruin it for the rest of us because the thing is i don't enjoy the murder no. i think it's terrible i think it's awful and i think it's um it's it's a terrible thing and and I when I watch something like this it it saddens me because I I find it hard to you know uh, take away the fact that these victims are people and they had lives and they had families and mm-hmm. you would never want this to happen and I don't look at the serial killers and go oh my god that's so cool my favorite killer is this one my favorite killer I don't understand that no. I am I am interested in this kind of stuff because it's the psychology that interests me. And it's like, especially like I was telling you about this Ripper case mm-hmm. in, in Yorkshire in the seventies and eighties in England. What interests me is how monumentally the police fucked it up. Yes. And that case in particular. Um, so the first victim was, a was re- like, they found this woman and they're like, okay, so she was a prostitute. She was a prostitute. And then the next one, she was a prostitute. This guy hates prostitutes. It yes. turned out, I think, in the end, after it was like 18, 15 to 18 women had died in the course of, um, you know, 10, 8 or 10 years, two of them were prostitutes. Mm. 
And at no point was he killing prostitutes. He was just killing women. Yes. And the whole case was fucked up because they they had decided because the women he had killed initially were single. Um, they were, they were single, they were, um, single moms. They, uh, were known within their communities, people who, as, as someone who would go down to the pub. So Mm -hmm. they, they weren't within, in seventies England, good standing in the community. Therefore they're a prostitute. Um, and so there were women who reported, who survived this, there were women who survived, went to the police, said, this is what he looked like. This is what he did to me. It was exactly the same as the way these women were killed. But they're like, but you're not a prostitute. So this can't be the same killer. And at no point, like, it's just that these men who were the police officers decided this is a prostitute killer. This is a killer who hates prostitutes. So if a woman's attacked by someone and she's not a prostitute and she's not obviously a prostitute, then it can't have been the same guy. Um, and it, like the documentary itself is interesting because it shows you all these prejudices that the police force had in the seventies and the eighties that they probably still have to get today. There's a brilliant, um, they, they go into the, they have interviews with the, uh, the first journalist who was talking about it and she, you know, is talking about how no one was, was looking at these sorts of things. Like, oh, there was this other woman who was attacked in this similar way. And they're like, oh, but she's not a, you know, but yeah. they monumentally fucked up because they were just sexist. Yeah. Um, but that's same the kind of stuff. The, yeah. Same with uh, the gay village in Toronto. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Because I, nobody. Ca- yeah. Nobody, nobody cared. cared about them. Yeah. Yeah. But I found the Twitter thread. Okay, go, 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 go. Okay. Go. It's, a, it's a little bit long, but. That's okay. It will be three minutes. Okay, so while watching the Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix, I felt disgusted as I listened to the narrative that Bundy was this Machiavellian charmer. Machiavellian. Yes. What does that mean? Um, Machiavelli was like a a writer. So Machiavelli is like uh, when you describe someone as being Machiavellian, it's like they're an orchestrator of things. They make stuff happen and they pull all the strings and they're so intelligent that you can't get one past them. Yeah. Okay. So he was described as that (laughs) charmer who was smarter than everyone around him. The truth is he wasn't. He was just a determined coward who hated women. Bundy benefited from being a conventionally attractive white man in society that reversed them. Nothing about him was spectacular. He got poor scores on the LSATs and stopped going to class when he was in law school. Also, Bundy didn't lure women in with his charm. He literally tricked them them by pretending to have a broken arm and needing help or impersonating a police officer. He snuck up on them at night when no one was around and broke into their homes while they were sleeping and attacked. Bundy didn't evade capture so long because he was some genius. It was the 1970s and authorities did not have the DNA technology we have now. There are also little to no communication between police jurisdiction. Bundy was sloppy and stupid, which is why he was eventually caught. When he was sentenced, Bundy... When he was sentenced, Bundy to death, the judge said, 
It's a tragedy to see such a total waste, I think, of a humanity that I have experienced in this court. You're a bright young man. You would have made a good lawyer. I would have loved to have you practice in front of me. Bundy was convicted of brutally beating and sexually assaulting two young women to death while they slept, yet the judge was upset that Bundy wasted his potential. Newsflash, Bundy never had any potential. It speaks to how much the criminal justice system values the potential of white men over the lives of women or literally anyone else. Remember how Brooke Turner got only three months of jail after being convicted of raping a woman behind a dumpster because jail would ruin his life. I'm going to end this rant by saying Ted Bundy is a myth. He was a low-life piece of garbage and he shouldn't be portrayed as some... Chiseled, 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 <laughs> dashing sex pot. It's disrespectful to his victims and their families. Their potential was stolen from them. And to all the mis, oh, I can't say this word when I'm reading it. Mm. Misgenius, like men that misogynist. Yes, trolls in my mansions. You will be sift- swiftly blocked with no reply from me. Imagine defending Ted Bundy. But there are people who probably would. Yes. But This I, is completely accurate. I agree with a hundred. Who is this person? Uh, Ashley Elise Edwards. Okay. Ashley Elise Edwards. I stand. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Uh, this is this is true. This is and he he wasn't good at school. He wa- he had no potential. No, and he I had mean nothing going for him. Yeah, crazy. And I mean, when I look at pictures of him, he doesn't look that attractive. Um, I mean, he's <clears throat> just like she said. He's a conventional, attractive white man. He's just a white guy with a symmetrical face. Yeah, that's it. That's all he is. Oh yeah. Oh, have you seen Promising... Sorry, people, if you hated read, listening to me read out loud. No, it was worth it. Was worth it. <laughs> have you seen Promising Young Woman yet? No. <sighs> Emilia, you need what to is see that? that movie. I don't know even what it is. This is, the, this is the movie that so many people are talking about at the moment. Um, it's a revenge film. Okay. It has Carrie Mulligan in it. Uh, oh yes, I think I've seen the cover of it. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, she was in medical school. She drops out. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the premise is that every night she goes to a bar and she pretends to be drunk. Okay. To see if a guy will try and take advantage of her. Oh. Um, uh, I'm not going to say anything more about it. I watched it the other night. It is a recommend. I think it's a recommended watch for every man on the planet. Okay. Um, it is, uh, I think it's, it's been nominated for a golden globe. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being nominated for an Oscar. It's, uh, but you need to see it so we can talk about it, but (laughs) you need to see it. Um, but, uh, but before, before we get in, cause this, this is going to be a two-parter cause we, we did a movie. 
Yes. We watched a movie. But before we watch our movie, mm. um, do you have any recommendations of things you've been watching at the moment, apart from Criminal Minds? Uh, I've, I'm done with Criminal Minds. I started watching Shit's Creek. It's good, isn't it? It is. I'm still on yeah. the first season, but I like it. I've only seen, I think I might join you in that because I've only seen like three or four episodes of the first season, but I've seen all the memes and yes. I've seen all the little clips on TikTok. And the fourth season and the last one is supposed to be like the best one. Okay. Okay. But all right. I mean, the the last one is the one that won all the Emmys. Yes. All right. Okay. I just love, I love the mother. Yes, me too. And Dad. the sister. I love yeah, yeah, yeah. sister. Alexis. <laughs> oh, I love all of them. Do you know what I was watching on French TV last night? What? Bones. How is it? In French or just the like, show? I've seen just one and one episode and the guy is always so cute <clears throat> that I want to David watch David Borinez. But then I'm The like, guy from oh. Buffy. Yes. Yeah, Angel from Buffy. Yeah. Um, there's actually a, a fan theory. Uh, if you have not watched all of Angel, I know you're not going to care about this, but if you have not watched all of Angel, skip ahead two and a half minutes. Um, but there's a fan theory, right? Because in the final series of Angel, he becomes human because he's okay. a vampire. Yeah. There's a theory that as a human, he becomes Detective Seely Booth. Okay. And therefore, he and the detective in Bones are the same person. <laughs> and so the fan theory puts it them in the same universe. But anyway, um, I used to watch loads of it back in my uh, my young Jono housewife days where I would do all the mm. ironing on a Sunday and we had cable. And on a Sunday afternoon, they would just play like, boom, six episodes of Bones in a row. So it would be the show that I watched when I would do all my ironing. Yes. Um, but I I think I've seen maybe the first five seasons okay. and there's like 14 or so. But it's, I, I've, I watched it and I realized I miss, because it's been so long since I've watched one of those commercially um, produced sort of crime shows, like, like mm -hmm. Criminal Minds mm -hmm. or like, um, but I think Bones is a little more lighthearted than Criminal Minds. It's still dark. <sighs> Um, Some episodes in Criminal Minds. I'm like, why am I watching this? This. Yeah, I. Criminal Minds is a lot darker terrible. than Bones, but yes. Bones has a you know you know those those shows where you're like you can tell that the character is up to mischief in the office because they're playing mischievous music in the background, like yes. that. <laughs> like, you know the 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 character Angela who who does all the drawings and tries to reconstruct the faces of the people in Bones, the Mexican one. I don't know. No, okay. Well, my my ex flatmate in Iceland, Anton, and I would always go. Her catchphrase was "Sweetie," um, because <laughs> she was just there to throw sass on everybody. But I, well, yeah, when I was watching this on TV last night, I was just, oh, I I miss there. Years ago, I would be like, oh, I'm so sick of these shows and how predictable they are and how, but I don't know, maybe it's because of the pandemic. Maybe it's because I'm living in a country where I don't know how anything works and there's barely anything I can actually watch on TV here. Yeah. There's just something about the comfort that comes from the predictability. Yes. Um, 
And I think I now understand why so many people are going back and watching series they've already seen from the beginning again. Yeah, because it's just nice. It's also supposed to be really stress-releasing or relieving. I read a thing about that as well. Like it's because you don't have to concentrate on it. You don't have to commit to it. That's why everyone is always watching Friends. Yeah, I can't. I just, I didn't like it when it was on air. So. I like Friends. I just can't. I But the nanny, I love the nanny. The nanny? You never had the nanny? No. You don't know the nanny? No. Is it the about r- the? No. She was working in a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens. You don't know the nanny? No. <gasps> okay, Emilia. <laughs> Emilia Gunnarsdottir. Squat. Squat. I am going to. I am going to find an episode of the nanny, and I am going to send it to you so that you can watch it because this was. This is a show of my childhood. Okay. So it's basically like a reworking of The Sound of Music. Okay. But it's a sitcom from the 90s. Um, Fran Drescher, you know, the nanny, she she was Jewish and she talked through her nose. A bit like Janice from Friends, like Chan- Chandler, yeah. but way, way funnier. Um, and so she she was a, a in the first episode, like she's working in a bridal shop in Queens in New York. Okay. Um, and then she gets dumped. And she has nowhere to go. So she's going door to door selling makeup. And then uh, she arrives at this Broadway producer's mansion. And he's like, oh, you're the new nanny. Come on in. And she just pretends to be the nanny. And so then for the next 10 years, <laughs> they figure out that she's not a nanny. But she ends up being the nanny of this. That That's the show, the nanny. She's the nanny. Um, I've never heard of it. Okay. Okay. Well, that is a show I could watch again. That and the Golden Girls. I never watched the Golden Girls. I think it's a bit before your time. Yeah. It's an old show. I, when I lived in Minnesota, I really liked Roseanne. Yes, me too. And it's such a, it's so sad that she became a massive racist. (laughs) It's, it is. Because here's the thing, right? That show was also my 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 little brother and I, Anthony. If you're listening, he's not listening. Um, uh, but we we would watch Roseanne and we would watch Roseanne reruns again and again yeah. and again, almost as much as we would watch The Simpsons. Um, and it was a funny show. It, yes, and it was a landmark show, is because it was also it was I think it was the first time. Uh, 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 an average American sitcom actually had poor people as the stars of the show. Like the the family were not a wealthy, f- okay. a middle class family. They were lower class. Yes, the Connors are lower class yes. people. They're they're food stamps people. They're people who don't have health insurance. They're the majority of Americans. Yes, you know, um, and this was this. It was actually quite a landmark thing because people were so used to seeing sparkly Brady Bunch style families on TV. Yes. And then suddenly in the eighties, which is when Roseanne came along, which is when married with children came Mm -hmm. along. um, People were allowed to see, I mean, married with children was a very heightened version of reality. Um, You know, no one is actually Peggy Bundy, but people were Roseanne. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, and it dealt with issues. It dealt with teen pregnancy mm-hmm. and it dealt with abortion and it dealt with things that you weren't used to seeing in a sitcom. And I remember watching Roseanne and, you know, my, cause my, my mom's got big high cheekbones and she's a, in the, in the eighties and nineties, she's, she was a bigger woman and she kind of had a Roseanne look about her. Um, <laughs> That I would, the neighborhood I grew up in in Australia, it was Australia, it was a different country, but everyone was just as poor as they are in Roseanne. Yeah. And that's what I loved about that show. And then they were going to do a reboot of it, and I was watching the reboot when it happened. Then Roseanne Barr decides that she's a racist and ruins it for everyone, and then they cut, they killed her. Yes, I know. (laughs) I know. I really liked these 80s sitcom shows. Like, I loved, I hate to say this, like, I can watch Friends. I know it was made 30 yeah, yeah, years yeah. ago, and I know this is not reality. There's a lot and of there, issues, but... But you, you, have, you have told me this before, and I agree with you. Like, when people, because Friends, there are certain elements of Friends now that are problematic. Yes. But you have said you just have to watch it with your 90s goggles. Yes. Um, and I totally get that. I just never liked it in the nineties. Yeah, and so, that's that's fine. Yeah. And but I really liked the Cosby Show when I was watching it. But that's a show yeah. I am not gonna watch. No, I'm not gonna watch the Cosby Show either. No, that has a lot of different issues. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. But yeah. I, I also re- liked talking about like you have to watch it with your nineties goggles. Yeah. Uh, like BBC or someone was showing Grease the other day. Yeah, okay, yeah. And what's her name? Sandy, the actress? Mm-hmm. Olivia mm-hmm. Newton? John? John? John Newton? Olivia Newton John. Yeah. She, she was like, people, calm down. This was made in the 70s about people in the 50s. Mm. St- step down from your high horse and just don't watch it then. Like... Mm-hmm. Calm down. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and it's also. I think it was. Was it a musical on Broadway first? No, but it it was a movie. It became that, after. Okay. Yeah, it was a movie that was set up like a musical. Have you ever seen Grease two? No, but I've heard. Like, I think we need. Like there's a fandom. I believe Kimmy Taylor is a huge yes. Grease Two fan, and I think maybe in a future episode you and I should watch Grease Two. I would and, love it's, to. It's Michelle Pfeiffer's big break. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. And have you ever seen that show inside the actor's studio? No. So there's this show where basically like this. Uh, what's his name? James Lipton is this uh, uh, interviewer, and he would ask. He interviews people. It's like a this is your life, but for actors. Okay. And he'll say, oh, and, you know, tell me about the first, your first gig and what was that like? And, and there's an episode with Michelle Pfeiffer on it. And I've always, I've keep trying to find this YouTube video. And <laughs> Grease 2 is, is, was basically seen by the world as a pile of shit. Yes. Um, and... She, he says, now let, he says to her, now let's talk about your first movie, Grease 2. And she starts to roll her eyes. And then he says, B 
because we've brought the director in. <laughs> and it's the quickest, quick ball change of a face where she's like, oh. Yeah. Like, oh, yes, yes, oh, yes. Yes, it was a great experience. I loved it. It was incredible. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Greece too. Um <clears throat> But yes, the, the I, I love watching a lot of those shows as well. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have this week. But tune in next week where we talk less murder and more reviewing a very specific, wonderful piece of young adult fiction turned into a film that we won't reveal just yet. And then, because I've been to the future and I know what's coming, tune in the week after that to hear a very, very, very special announcement from Emilia. If you don't like waiting, though, you can always check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash podcast. On there, we have extra special additional content, and every one of our patrons also gets episodes early. So if you don't want to wait uh, for your life to be over, then head over to Patreon. Uh, but other than that, until next time, bye. Everybody wants to be somebody. Everybody wants to be somebody. I'm somebody. Are you somebody? Not everybody can be somebody. Well, I'm somebody and you are nobody. Nobody. <laughs> You're just a Reiki salad.
nothing to me. You're nothing to me. You're nothing to me. You're nothing to me. You're nothing to me. 